don't stress out. Things will work out. <laughs> like we get, when you're younger, every decision you think is so monumental. If I take this job, if I don't, if I get promoted or I don't, if I get into this college or I don't, and you stress out about every single one and you'll, you'll figure it out as long as you like work hard and you enjoy what you're doing and you're building new skills and you're building new relationships and, and friends like might not turn out in the exact way that you thought it was going to, but it'll be okay. I think when we're younger, we just have to chill. Welcome to Arda Spotlight, live long and prosper. I'm Cesar Sengupta, your host and the co-founder and CEO of Arda Finance. In this podcast series, we don't just scratch the surface. We delve deep into the mindsets of some of the most successful founders, entrepreneurs, and investors out there. We dissect the pivotal choices that have set the trajectory of their extraordinary lives. We get into the nuts and bolts of how financial strategy and financial thinking can serve a purpose-driven life. So if you're looking for insights that are as intellectual as they're actionable, you're in the right place. The topics covered in this podcast are conversational and for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to serve as investment advice and is not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any particular security or investment. All opinions expressed by Arda employees and third parties are not necessarily those of Arda Finance. Today's guest is no stranger to the pace and ambitious vision that comes with working at industry-defining tech giants. A professional journey has taken her through the hallways of Amazon as A9's VP of Advertising, Google as VP of Search and Identity, and Slack as Chief Product Officer. She has been a pivotal force in product development and organizational scaling. With hands-on experience in these behemoth companies, she has gained invaluable lessons on what propels a startup to become a household name and what pitfalls to sidestep. Earlier this year, she took on the role of Venture Partner at Institutional Venture Partners, or IVP as many of you may know it. A VC that grows breakout companies into enduring market leaders. She channels her expertise to mentor entrepreneurs, offering a holistic blend of tactical guidance and empathetic support. For her, venture capital isn't merely an investment game, but an opportunity to partner with forward-thinking companies that aim to positively impact people's daily lives. This is why we are thrilled to welcome my friend, Tamar Yashova. Tamar, uh, great to talk to you. Can you think of uh, a point in your life where you were sort of at a crossroads? And you had two very distinct choices um, and you were, you sort of had to make a decision between the two. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that particular crossroad, what the choices were, uh, to whatever extent you're comfortable. And then if you can talk about how you made the decisions and what your sort of broad principles were, that'd be very helpful. There's been several points in my career where I was, as you said, I was at a crossroads and you, one a avenue is usually riskier than the other avenue. And do you go for the safe bet or do you go for the riskier bet? And when you go for the riskier bet, you get a lot of people in your life telling you that you're doing something stupid. And so you have to have even more conviction to do something when everyone around you is like, why would you possibly leave Google? Like it is the most amazing place or Intel or, or what wherever it is. So there's been a couple of points in my career where I've taken a leap that has been a non-obvious leap. And I can't always explain to you why I, I base a lot of decisions based on intuition. 
And the two things that I would say help me to make those decisions is one is trying to look backwards, say, if I stay in the same place I am for the next 10 years and look backwards, will I feel like I made the right decision? And that's very clarifying. If you say, okay, my life, I know this trajectory. What that? What is that going to look like? Well, I regret not making, uh, taking a risk. And the other one is I always follow people. So I've always tended to follow people that I want to learn from because the people around you are who you learn from the most. So I, I think that the, the decision that was probably the least obvious at the time and now is super obvious in retrospect was when I was at Intel in 1999. And in 1999, there were all these startups coming up and the internet was happening. And, you know, looking back, it's like, well, it's obvious that you should have left to be a part of the internet. But at the time, it, it wasn't clear at all. It was, um, it was scary. I was in a job as managing 50 people. I had a lot of stock options at Intel and this startup that was 10 people, uh, you know, no revenue, uh, recruited me to come and join as an IC. And I made that decision and my father called me up and said, what are you doing? Like you're leaving all this money on your table. This company's going to fail. Then you're not going to have a job and you're taking this huge risk. My boss at the time said, I can't believe you're doing this. These are fly-by-night companies. They're all going to go away. And so everyone around me was telling me I was nuts. And um, and it was in, you know, in hindsight, it's it's a much clearer decision. And it was obvious it was the right thing to do because otherwise I wouldn't have gotten into the internet. And this was A9, right? If I remember correctly. That was this was actually Noosh. This was a startup that failed. <laughs> So I did go to a startup. I mean, they're still around. They haven't totally gone under, but I went when there were 10 people, we went up to 200. Then we did lots of layoffs and got back to like 50. And so they didn't succeed. But what it did is it taught me the technology stack of the internet. It gave me experience in the internet. And from there, I went to another failed startup. Then I went to A9. I see. Can I, can I go to one other crossroad, which I think in your career was a pretty big change? I mean, obviously, they're going from Intel, large established company to startups. But you know, after having been like one of the most accomplished product leaders at multiple companies, uh, and you ran Search, you ran Identity at Google, and then went to Slack, and you ran, you know, product at Slack, which took it public, became huge. Um, how do you make the decision to switch to venture capital? Like, what was sort of the thinking? Uh, behind that and how did, was that a crossroads for you or, or was that an absolutely logical step? It was a crossroads. I was not one of these people who always thought at one point I would go into venture capital. So a lot of people have asked me that, did you always plan to do this? And the answer is no. Uh, when I when I look at what I want to do next, I always like to bring something to the job that my experience brings that's unique and also learn something. I had been leading product and engineering teams for so long that I felt like I needed to do something a little bit different. I needed a change. Also, the Slack experience was so unique. Joining Slack at the time I did, going through the IPO and the acquisition, it was such an amazing ride. I felt like if I went to another company that was similar, it just was never going to be as good. So I didn't want to be comparing it to Slack or comparing it to Google for that, for that matter. So I just wanted to do something that was no comparison. And also what I said before about uh, people. So I had known uh, one of the partners at IVP I've known for over a decade. I served on a board with him. 
retail not like 12 years ago, and we've kept in touch over the years. So you gravitate towards people. And he was one of the first people I reached out to and said, he was also an investor in Slack, uh, which I do next. And so it was about learning new things. I'm gone into it with a beginner's mind, don't know anything about investing. I know a lot about operating companies, but not about investing. And so I wanted to learn a new trade and be able to view something that I've seen in the ecosystem a lot. I've been on boards with with VCs and I've been at companies that had VCs investing, but I'd never seen the other side. And I thought that would be really interesting. As you were thinking through these crossroads, like obviously the career uh, lens makes, you know, makes a lot of sense. Like how, how do you, so how did sort of your personal life and financial questions, um, do those influence, you know, these decisions in any way and how did sort of the, that interplay happen? I've always been in a position that I wasn't worried about kind of my basic needs and had picked, ironically, not because I knew it was going to be a lucrative profession, but just picked a profession where I always knew I could make a good salary. So the decisions that I made in my career were not financial. They were based on other criteria. So I never took a job because I said job A is going to make more money than job B. And if I would have tried to map out which would have been more lucrative, I would have been completely wrong because the way stuff works, the way these companies happen. And, you know, when I went to Slack, everyone's like, it's overvalued. It's only going to go down. And I had no idea. And then you just kind of don't look back. So I made the decisions based on what I wanted to do and where I would learn the most. And some of them were poor decisions. Like the first startup I went to failed and I my stock options there were worthless. So not every decision was the right financial decision right then, but they build. And everyone says a career is not a ladder. It's like goes in twists and turns. And so that's more the the rubric of if you're learning new skills, you will always have those skills and you can always uh, use them later. So that was what was much more important to me to make sure that I would learn something new. In terms of like setting yourself up to be able to have that freedom, um, had you thought about it? Had you planned it? Or did it just something that you were, uh, you know, fortunate to be in that position to be and therefore you kind of uh, built, built off that platform? I've been in a lucky position where I've never been worried about putting food on the table. I went into computer science, not because I thought it was going to be a lucrative profession, because when I did, we didn't really understand that. It was before startups, before all of this. I just got, I just got lucky, but I was, because I knew that I could always make a living, I could make my decisions based on where I would learn the most and what I would enjoy doing the most. Because if you're learning something, you're building skills and you're going to be more valuable to any organization you work with in the future, even if that particular job you do as well. So I, I was very lucky to not have to make decisions based on which job I thought would pay more is I think even if I did try and guess that, I would have always been wrong. Like who knew that Amazon would have appreciated as much as it did when I first went there? I definitely did not anticipate that. So I got, luck plays a big, big part of it. And so I didn't, um, I always wanted to make sure that I could provide for my family and I could put my kids through college. But beyond that, I think the other thing about me which Caesar, you and I talked about this a lot when we go to the Google offsites. I don't have very expensive taste. I'm not one who's like buying luxury cars and 
And that actually helps me because then I don't get locked in to meeting a certain salary. I can give up the big salary and go do something that I think I'll enjoy more. Samar, you've been a phenomenal role model for many people, like myself included, many people in tech. But especially I've seen with uh, many of the younger women in tech, you know, there were women who would join your team because you led that and they, they looked up to you. So, you know, but at, at, in some ways, when you started in tech, that was probably not uh, common. I mean, it's still not very common to have very senior women leaders, but how was your experience and how do you think it's changed till now? And so what message would you have for the, the women who are starting their careers in tech or in product like you? Throughout my career, what I've always tried to do is just focus on doing the job. And one of the things that I believe it's very, it's very hard to disentangle if somebody is treating you differently because of one reason or another, or, you know, maybe somebody had, you know, a fight with their spouse in the morning, or they had a stomach ache or something, or they really are biased against you. And it's just so hard to know why somebody is treating you in some way. So I try to give people always the benefit of the doubt and just try and focus on doing a good job. I have been lucky though. I've talked to many other women who were in leadership positions around the you know, same points in my career who had some very, very bad experiences. So I very much um, empathize with that. I just think that, that I was lucky to not have experienced that. Uh, again, luck plays a big part in how we, how we go about our careers. But I've, um, I, I get asked to be, you know, present as a woman in tech. And a lot of times I don't want to present as a woman in tech. I only want to present as a tech leader. Like present, you know, I want people to listen to me because what I have to say, not because of my gender. And I used to say no to some of these things. And my daughter is also in tech. She's also an engineering leader. And uh, she was an intern at Google and I was asked to do one of these women events and I didn't want to do it. And she came to me and she said, I had you as a role model when I was growing up. My friends didn't have some, have a mother like you as a role model. You are doing this. <laughs> and she said, I will come. And she did. She came and she sat in the back of the room and she helped me with my presentation. And she was right. She was a hundred percent right. And so now I've kind of changed my attitude and I, and I, while I don't want to be doing things just because I'm the woman in tech, I do want to help other women feel comfortable and feel like that they have role models. So, you know, a, a question that I think all tech companies are grappling with, including us right now, like how do you, how do you attract more superstar women like, like you into, into not just tech, but into various levels of the company and into, into like our team or any effort we're doing. Um, what have you found to be great ways of doing that? You have to have some women to attract women. It's just the people, nobody wants to be the first woman. So you got to try really hard to get those first, first couple, to get the first couple women, because that is what makes it easier. There's been a lot of studies on this, that if there's zero or one woman, it's much harder to hire women as, as soon as that there are two. And this is true for any minority, just not just women, if the team is more diverse in general, it's going to be much easier to hire diversity. So hiring that first, you got to, you have to focus on it and work hard. And then it becomes, it becomes easier. Um, and then I also am a really strong believer 
in starting young. And I think the biggest problem is getting young people interested in like third and fourth grade and before there is a stigma attached to it or before there's any, oh, I'm not supposed to like that, that you're more open-minded. Let's change tracks a little bit, uh, Tamar, and talk a, talk a bit about, um, you know, how you've been such a great mentor for many people in your lives. Like, you know, uh, I mean, uh, mentor, friend, I've always, I've come to you for advice at many points and you, you know, I know others who have done that too. Uh, have there been other people in life that you've turned to for that kind of advice? Like, and have you, did that just happen by chance? And did you sort of try to create those uh, mentorship relationships? I think it happens through working together. When you work with people and you build trust, then you go to them, you go to them for advice because you know what they're good at and you seek out their advice. And when you know that they have your best interests at heart, um, when I was uh, deciding whether or not to go to Slack, I sought out a mentor. We went for a walk and it was incredibly helpful. It was somebody who actually knew Stuart, uh, Stuart Butterfield, the CEO and founder of Slack, and knew me. And he said to me, tomorrow, I think this is the best product job in the Valley. And so this was, as opposed to when I was leaving Intel and I told you, I can't remember anyone who was supportive. There were definitely when I went to Slack, there were people who were like, wow, that's a good job. And, um, and I needed to hear that. I needed to hear it from somebody who I knew, knew both of us. But I think the biggest support I get is at home. My partner is incredibly supportive of everything I do and talks it through. And in a funny way, things have turned around and I actually seek advice from my children now when I have, when I have decisions to make. And it's, it's so amazing. We help each other in our, in our career decisions. But yeah, I've ha I've been very lucky throughout my entire career to have people who were supportive and um, would help push me. Like even when I went and joined Google search, the executive team in search was incredibly supportive. And I started with a very small role and they kept adding things to my plate. And you build that trust over delivering and over being transparent and communicating with other people in an effective way. What advice are you giving to your children? as they, you know, think about professions, personal life, career, and especially with regards to like how you create a life together with a partner? The best advice I was given was if you want to get along with adult children, only give them advice when they ask for it. So <laughs> I am very cautious about not giving too much advice and waiting until they call me. So if they call me and they want input and they're They've got something on their mind. I'm more than happy to talk to them about it and brainstorm, but I'm not going to proactively give them advice because you, when you raise children, they see, they take a lot more from watching how you live your life than these snippets of advice that you give them. And so they have that as a part of them internally, and you have to trust that they're going to make the right decisions. When my son was deba debating on his last job, which what job he would take, he was really struggling with, with what he should do. And he had a call with both my daughter and I, we were on speakerphone talking to him and he really wanted us to tell him like which job he should take. And we're like, no, you're going to figure this out. You have to find your gut. You have to find what you want to do. So it's really about helping them understand themselves, not what I think they should do. That is so good. It's actually a really good advice for me because I often get very tempted 
you know, at some point you're telling your kids to, what to do and then they grow up and you start, um, you start, you have to sort of pull back on all the advice you can give. And uh, important lesson for me at this point of time in life, uh, start pulling back on Zoya. Um, great. Tamar, like if you were, since we're on the theme of advice, if you could uh, say a few things to say the Tamar from 20 years back, um, what what message would you send to Tamar 20 years back? Don't stress out. Things will work out. <laughs> like we get, when you're younger, every decision you think is so monumental. If I take this job, if I don't, if I get promoted or I don't, if I get into this college or I don't, and you stress out about every single one and you'll, you'll figure it out as long as you like work hard and you enjoy what you're doing and you're building new skills and you're building new relationships and, and friends like might not turn out in the exact way that you thought it was going to, but it'll be okay. I think when we're younger, we just have to chill. Is that really the advice you would give to yourself? Because you've always been quite chill and very confident of like, at least from a perceptions from outside, like you've been one of those people among our friend group where I see like you have a very, very calm and you kind of have this confidence that life will work out. Um, did you develop that or were you just projecting it very well? I've always been very calm. I'm not a very, I very, I don't emo emotionally react, but I do think earlier in my career when I had setbacks or when I didn't get a job I wanted, I would take those things quite hard and be scared of, well, will I ever get a good job again? Like I didn't get that perfect job that I wanted. So I think definitely when I was earlier in my career, these things were, were more meaningful and, and were harder. Uh, that is a, that's a great message because I think people, you know, as you get older, you realize things that do generally work out if you're working hard. Um, so tomorrow, what's, uh, what's the next 10 years look like? What are the next you know, last 20 years have been fantastic. What's going to be the next 20? I have no idea. One of the things that also um, is uh, what one of the things about my career is I've never planned my career. And any point in time, if you would have asked me, what do the next five to 10 years look like? I wasn't one of those people who had a plan. There are a lot of people who do have a plan. It's wonderful. That's great. That was never me. I was much more, let me heads down, do what I'm doing until I don't want to anymore. And so I find that I never would have predicted any of the, I wouldn't have predicted that I was going to end up living in California. Like that's a real shocker. Uh, so I, I wouldn't have predicted any of these things. So I'm excited for something to happen that I have no idea what it is. That is fascinating. Uh, what's the, and, and in terms of excitement, is there anything that's really exciting you right now that like makes you want to dig, go deep into it and, you know, say, Fully, fully unlock it? Right now, it's going to sound cliche, but I'm really fascinated by the technological developments of AI. And I started my career, I got a master's in non-monotonic reasoning, with, which was like the AI of the time. It was a completely different tech stack. It has nothing to do with LLMs or AI now. We just have the moniker of AI. And I worked at an AI research institute as my first job out of college. So I've been following along all of these developments of how the field of AI has changed over the years. Obviously, at Google, we've worked a lot with machine learning algorithms. I worked on Google Suggest. So I've been close to it, but not been an AI researcher. And the new developments and what that's going to 
unlock on the product side, I'm finding absolutely fascinating. That is true. It is, it's such an incredible time. Like I, you know, it's one of the first times in technology I look forward and I have no idea what's going to happen in the next five years. Like the pace at which technology is changing, it's evolving. Um, I was having this fascinating conversation with Zoya. She was like, okay, so, you know, what, what are jobs going to look like? And no idea. No idea what's going to happen. It's super interesting. All we know is it's going to be very different. Very, very different. Um, on that tone of difference and being confident with it, thank you so much, Tamar, for doing this with us and for being on Live Long and Prosper. Uh, you know, you've been a great friend and someone I've deeply admired and respected over the years. So uh, it was really wonderful talking to you and being able to bring you onto this podcast. Thank you, Caesar. Thank you for having me. This were, it was a lot of fun and good luck with, with this and, and the whole series. Thank you so much, Tamar. Okay, take care. Bye.